Just a quick heads up that I am currently on maternity leave, which means that the Fertility Co podcast is taking a break. But please don't panic because I'm already working on some exciting things behind the scenes. And when I come back, I'm really looking forward to sharing with you a brand new, completely free mini course all about ovulation and finding your fertile window. In the meantime, there are still heaps of ways that you can continue to learn about your fertility and your menstrual cycle while I take a break. If you're just getting started with charting your cycle, you can check out my free fertility roadmap. If you want to dive deeper and learn exactly when you're ovulating, then you can watch my Fix Your Fertility Masterclass. There is, of course, also my Conceive with Confidence workshop series and, of course, my flagship online program, Fertility School. If you want individualized support from a trained fertility educator, that's me, then you can book in to my wait list for a one-on-one consult. And I would love to work with you to achieve your fertility goals in 2024. Spots are strictly limited though. And links to all of those resources are in the show notes. In this episode, we're talking all about safe exercise during pregnancy, what to do, what not to do, and why monitoring your heart rate is so 1990s. I'm Rachel and I'm obsessed with all things periods, pregnancy, pelvic floor and helping women just like you to navigate all of life's major milestones. I'm a physiotherapist and natural fertility educator and my passion is teaching women how to take control of their health. Fertility, pregnancy, nutrition and menstrual cycle health will dive deep into all of it right here. All those questions you've been secretly Googling, all those things you're too embarrassed to ask your doctor because, well, we're women. Shouldn't we just know this stuff? So get comfy and get ready to finally have all of your questions answered. Hit subscribe now and let me teach you what they never taught us in health class. You're listening to the Mana Women's Wellness Podcast. Want a sneak peek into the ultimate guide to your menstrual cycle? Let me walk you through everything you need to know about your period, what happens for the rest of the month, and why your fertility matters no matter what season of life you're in right now. To download your free chapter of the Mana Guide to Understanding and Loving Your Menstrual Cycle, head to manawomenswellness.com forward slash free book. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode eight of the Mana Women's Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel, and today I want to do something a little different, and we're going to have a Q&A Wednesday. And we'll call it Q&A Wednesday because this podcast episode is, well, coming out on a Wednesday, and I'm not super creative. But more importantly, I'm answering a question that's been sent in to me. So thank you, Danny, for asking me this question. And if there's something that you want to know about, please feel free to send me a DM on Instagram. Instagram, and I'll do my very, very best to answer it on an upcoming episode. And so Danny asks, I'm currently five months pregnant. Should I be monitoring my heart rate when I exercise? I've been reading a lot about keeping it below 140 beats per minute, and I'm wondering if this is something I should be sticking to. Now, This is a really common question that is asked over and over and over, and there is a lot of conflicting information out there about this one. So at the time I'm recording this episode, it is 2020. The recommendation for pregnant women to keep their heart rates below 140 beats per minute was big in the 90s. Now, I was born in 1990, so that means that this recommendation is about 
about 30 years old. Now, this means that this recommendation was the in thing when my mum was pregnant with me. And I've never really asked her, but I'm betting she was not at the gym getting her sweat on while she was pregnant with me. I'll tell you this much though, I've seen pictures of her pregnant and she had a mad perm and wore flowery maternity dresses with big lacy collars. It was surely trendy at the time, but my point is here that things go out of date. There were previous pregnancy exercise guidelines that were released by the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, who we call ACOG, and these guidelines recommended that for exercise during pregnancy, women kept their heart rate below 140 beats per minute. However, more research discovered that, like most things in pregnancy and in life, the heart rate response to exercise varies considerably between women. So a set target heart rate isn't appropriate for monitoring exercise intensity in all pregnant women. And so 10 years later, in 2002, ACOG released a new set of guidelines, which are still current at the time that I'm recording this. And here they recommended using something called the Borg scale. So women could monitor exercise intensity and not have to worry about tracking their heart rate throughout. I'll come back to the Borg scale soon, but first I want to dive deeper into how our heart rate changes during pregnancy. The entire circulatory system, and by this I mean your heart, your blood vessels, arteries, veins, all of this changes early on in pregnancy to support the needs of mother and the growing baby. These changes can begin as early as four to five weeks gestation, and they can peak during the second and early third trimesters. It is these changes in the circulatory system that cause many of the unpleasant symptoms of pregnancy, so nausea, lightheadedness, fatigue, cravings, constipation, bloating, and that highly annoying and frequent need to urinate. Elevated hormone levels during pregnancy cause an increase in both blood volume and the elasticity of blood vessels, so as a result, there is reduced amount of blood that is pumped out by and returning to the heart. This phenomenon is known as underfill, and it's the cause of many of those early pregnancy symptoms. Gradually, the body will adapt to these cardiovascular changes, which is why most side effects and symptoms will resolve after the first trimester. Cardiac output, so the volume of blood that's actually pumped out by the heart, can increase by as much as 40% during pregnancy. This means women will have around 1.5 extra litres of blood in their circulatory systems. High blood volume maintains good blood flow to the uterus and placenta to provide nutrition and oxygen to your growing baby, and it also helps to reduce the impact of blood loss that you experience during birth. Now, interestingly, despite the increase in blood volume, red blood cell numbers will remain the same, which means that levels are lower relative to the amount of blood in the entire circulatory system. Red blood cells contain hemoglobin, which carries oxygen and iron around the body. Increased blood volume basically dilutes the amount of red blood cells in the blood, and this means that iron and oxygen levels are also reduced, and this is the cause of low iron levels or anemia and fatigue, which are both really Really common during pregnancy. Your heart rate, so the number of times that your heart beats per minute, also increases, which is why pregnant women do not need to work as hard to increase their heart rate when exercising. And this is why the previous ACOG guidelines suggested that pregnant women take it easy when they exercise. Here's a fun fact for you. Women who exercise regularly may actually realize that they're pregnant sooner than a pregnancy test would reveal because their heart rates may increase more than usual during a workout. How is that for knowing your body. I love it. 
During exercise, your baby often sleeps, so it's totally normal to feel a little less movement when you are being active. This is a safety mechanism to draw blood away from baby and back to the mother's working muscles. When you stop exercising, blood returns to baby and so increased movement is felt once again. This is why a good, proper cool down is essential after exercising to allow that blood flow to return to baby. Previous guidelines for exercising during pregnancy recommended keeping your maximum heart rate below 140 beats per minute. However, a woman's heart rate response will change during the course of her pregnancy. It increases initially during early pregnancy and then gradually falls through to later pregnancy. So what's the problem with the old and outdated guidelines? Well, they assume that all pregnant women with a heart rate of 140 beats per minute are exerting exactly the same amount of effort during physical activity. As wise women, we know that all women are different. So a target heart rate that is exactly the same for everyone isn't appropriate for monitoring exercise intensity for all pregnant women. You've got to keep in mind that the appropriate workout intensity for you will depend on how physically fit you are and how fit you were before you were pregnant. So even if you were very unfit, you may have to keep your heart rate well below 140 beats per minute. While fitter women and gym junkies may be able to reach a heart rate of up to 170 beats per minute with no negative effects. And so in 2002, ACOG released some newer guidelines, and for the past 20 years, they have continued to release updates about their recommendations for safe exercise during pregnancy. And coincidentally, ACOG released their latest opinion piece in April of this year. So what's changed? In 2002, the guidelines started to recommend using the Borg scale that I talked about earlier, the Borg scale, or also called the Borg rating of perceived exertion, so that women can monitor their exercise intensity without actually having to track their heart rate during their workouts. This means that women are now encouraged to work in a target training zone of 12 to 14 on the Borg scale or a somewhat hard intensity. Now, if you head over to today's show notes, I'll make sure I include a picture of the Borg scale so that you can really see what this scale looks like and how it works because it's obviously very hard to understand when I'm just talking about it. So that will be over at manofwomenswellness.com forward slash post forward slash eight. Now the Borg scale allows women to self-monitor their exercise intensity with confidence because like anything else, it's all about listening to your body and not focusing on a bunch of numbers on the screen. So using the Borg scale, you can adjust the intensity of your workouts. And if it feels like you're working too hard, you can take it back a little bit. And you can also modify your workouts as your pregnancy progresses and your physical fitness and comfort levels change change. The current exercise guidelines are so much better because they take into account the individual differences in heart rates and physical fitness among pregnant women and really eliminate that one-size-fits-all approach. The Borg scale gives women a far more accurate idea of how hard they should be working during pregnancy. Now, if you're an athlete or a really intense exerciser and you're used to pushing through discomfort while exercising, then you might be encouraged to wear a heart rate monitor to track your exercise intensity. Athletes might have a little bit more difficulty sticking to the Borg 
Borg scale, just because they're so used to pushing through to a higher intensity. And if this sounds like you, then I really would recommend working closely with your doctor or a coach, if you've got one, to really work out what is the most suitable and safe for you. Now, of course, if your doctor has specifically told you to keep your heart rate below a set point during exercise, please follow their advice. Your doctor's individual recommendations are always going to overrule what you've heard in a podcast, right? So what else is included in these ACOG guidelines? Well, being a very clever and important organization, they acknowledge that physical activity and exercise is extremely important during all phases of life. And this includes pregnancy. Long gone are the days of pregnancy being a condition that women need to be on bed rest for the entire nine months. The guidelines say that physical activity and exercises in pregnancy carries minimal risk and have been shown to benefit most women, although some women will need to change their their exercise routines because of the normal changes that occur during pregnancy, both inside our bodies, like changes in our circulatory system that I've talked about, as well as the more obvious anatomical changes. So that's the growing belly that obviously makes lying on your stomach a little difficult. Now, you'll be working closely with a medical team throughout your pregnancy, and so it's really important that you speak with your doctor and get that all clear before starting a new exercise program. This is particularly important for women who have never really exercised before and for those who are used to exercising at a higher intensity. But really, medical clearance is essential for all women because there are certain medical conditions that mean that you should not be exercising during pregnancy, and that's really important to make sure that you don't fall into that category. So, once you've gotten the all clear from your doctor, the current recommendations for women with uncomplicated pregnancies are 20 to 30 minutes of moderate intensity exercise at least five days a week. You should not exercise for longer than 45 minutes at a time, and rest days are just as important as active days to really allow your body to recover and repair. Work around your schedule to stay as consistent as possible. So you can divide your workouts into three separate 10-minute sessions if this suits you more. Um, It all still counts. Make sure you include a combination of cardio, stretching, and strengthening exercises in your workouts. And please make sure you use your pelvic floor as well. If you are not used to doing regular exercise, walking four to five days a week is an easy way to start. So just start walking for 10 minutes at a time and then gradually work your way up to that 30 minutes. Take it slow and steady. Remember, don't rely on monitoring your heart rate as a way to monitor how hard you're working. So your heart rate will change throughout your pregnancy. And so it's not a reliable guide. Remember, the 90s was a long time ago. The most important advice that I can give you is to listen to your body. So stop or rest if you start to feel tired or unwell to make sure that you're preventing overheating or getting injured. Make sure you warm up before and cool down afterwards and do not work too hard. A super simple check of your exercise intensity is the talk test. So if speaking in full sentences while exercising is hard because you're too breathless and fatigued, you're working too hard. Another good test is to take note of your body's response to exercise. So if you're sweating, it's a sign that your body's trying to cool down and so you're working hard enough. If you're short of breath and red in the face, you're working too hard. Remember to work at your own pace and if you're in a class setting, do not compete with others. Closely monitor your body's response during and immediately after exercise to make sure that your workouts aren't causing any issues that could affect baby's development. So pay tick 
pay particular attention to changes in your body temperature, hydration, and blood sugar levels. And take note of baby's behavior during and after exercise too. Remember that baby often falls asleep during exercise, and so reduced movement is normal, but baby will then become more active when your workout has finished. You should be able to feel your baby moving around after about 20 to 30 minutes after you stopped exercising. Feeling baby moving and even some contractions of your uterus are really great indicators of baby's well-being, but if you are ever concerned, consult your doctor. Athletes or women who are used to intense workouts might feel a little frustrated by the limitations that pregnancy places on their physical activity. So they will likely experience reduced agility, slower running speed, and generally just moving in a sluggish way. So don't get discouraged and don't overdo it. Regardless of your level of physical fitness, you cannot avoid the effects of pregnancy on your soft tissues and your joints, and you will be at increased risk of injury if you overtrain, no matter how fit fit you were before pregnancy. If you were active before your pregnancy, then exercising a few times a week for 20 to 30 minutes at a moderate intensity is pretty sustainable. You should continue to adjust your workouts as your pregnancy progresses. Sessions lasting longer than 45 minutes can increase your risk of overexertion, overheating, and that dropping blood sugars. So make sure you're eating well, drinking plenty of water, and don't overdo it. What is the mantra of this episode? Are we sensing a theme here? Listen to your body. Every woman and every pregnancy is very different. So while some women may be able to continue with intense training during their pregnancy, this level may not be appropriate for others. Upper limits of exercise intensity have not been studied for obvious safety reasons. So stick to the ACOG guidelines. Now, before we wrap things up today for our very first Q&A Wednesday, I just want to go over some of the common signs to stop exercising immediately and go and consult your doctor. And they are vaginal bleeding or any loss of fluid from your vagina, any regular painful contractions or a sign of preterm labor, any deep, severe pubic or back pain, shortness of breath, especially if you're experiencing this before you started exercising, chest or stomach pain, calf pain or swelling, if you're feeling dizzy like you might faint or you have a headache, any difficulty walking or muscle weakness that's affecting your balance. If you notice that baby has reduced movement after exercising, having heart palpitations or an unusually slow heartbeat, and finally feeling extremely tired. So be aware of baby's movements when you're exercising. Rest if the movements seem to slow down or stop. Your baby might be quiet when you're exercising, but if things don't feel right, stay cautious and always consult your doctor. Now, if you want me to answer your questions about periods, pregnancy, or the pelvic floor, I would love to hear from you. Send me a DM on Instagram and let me know what you want me to talk about. As always, this podcast is for you. And so I want to talk about the things that are the most important for you. So if you want to know anything more about safe exercise during pregnancy, then you can grab my free guide, 10 Exercises to Avoid During Pregnancy and What to Do Instead. I'll make sure I link to it in today's show notes and you can head on over to manawomenswellness.com forward slash post forward slash eight for a link there too and for a visual guide to the Borg scale that I talked about in this episode. I will see you in next week's episode. Bye for now and don't forget that knowledge is power. When you truly understand your body, you are empowered to make informed decisions and take control of your health. Have a lovely day, ladies, and I will see you next time.
If you've made it this far, you deserve a huge virtual hug because you just finished another episode of the Mana Women's Wellness Podcast. New episodes are released every Wednesday, so make sure you hit subscribe now so you don't miss when the latest goes live. Why not make my day and leave me a quick rating and review while you're over there? If you want more, head on over to Instagram at Mana Women's Wellness, slide into my DMs and say hello, or you can visit manawomenswellness.com forward slash podcast for show notes and access to all of the freebies that I talked about in this episode. Until next time. Let's talk about TempDrop. TempDrop's wearable sensor and accompanying charting app brings the full fertility tracking solution right to your phone. Wear the TempDrop sensor on your upper arm during sleep and then just sync to the charting app whenever it's convenient for you. TempDrop believes that every woman should be empowered and equipped with the knowledge to take control of their body. Sound familiar? That's where TempDrop steps in to provide clear, science-backed technology to help you to better track your cycle. I only recommend products that I use and love, and I love my TempDrop tracker. You can get 10% off your tracker with the code AFFertilityCo or head to fertilityco.com.au forward slash TempDrop for more information.